Hello, Akadur Radio. Welcome We're to another a episode show and of podcast of Vocal Perspective, host, hosted by myself, Brian Rachel Alexander, Schoenbaum, and, and the amazing host, Amanda Cornaglia. Good to hear from Each you, week John. We How's it going? New from a female or female-identifying member of you know, the acapella community like to talk about ideas, themes, and topics that affect us. Tune in at Acaville on Tuesdays at 9:30 p.m. Eastern, 6:30 p.m. Pacific, or on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Acaville, home of Vocal Perspective. I am in a corner of my room on some like rickety old, I shouldn't have done that, rickety old chest. And it's great. It's getting me back to my roots. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. You know, it's uh, it was nice coming off the holiday break for a quick second and uh, getting back to the work week. So I got no complaints. You know, life is yeah. great. Have you, have you found a new show to binge now that Game of Thrones is done and Flash is off for a while? Like, what have you been watching? It is. You, I've actually been getting into Black Mirror. So that's oh, been man. quite the, the trip. Uh, if I doesn't say. it just make you more depressed though like i feel like i'd get really it, just upset it is man it's kind of a weird thing you know most of the episodes are dark and gloomy but every once in a while you get these nice positive storylines that they kind of throw in there you know oh, but that's man. only been like two out of the like 15 episodes i'm not strong so. enough to handle everything in between then so why don't instead we talk about <laughs> acapella today instead of black that, that mirror sounds, we could do a whole I think, black mirror episode of <laughs> acapella of tacapella talking about acapella i don't know how that worked but we could make it happen i don't know but we we really could go on a whole pop culture trip but anyway uh, <laughs> yeah i agree with you let's get into the show so joining us today we have a wonderful guest uh, it is none other than thomas tk king he is one of the first ambassadors for casa he's done a lot of work with rarb and he's done some work with acapella education <laughs> association but enough of me telling you about it let's let him tell us about it tk welcome to the show Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. We're glad to have you. Exciting to uh, have someone with your impressive resume on the show to kind of give us a, a unique spin on some things that we don't normally get to discuss. So thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Awesome. So let's just kind of just dive in a little bit. And why don't you, for our listeners who may not be familiar with CASA and Acapella Education Association, all the many things that you've done, just tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, what you're currently involved in. Okay. Do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> uh, um, we'll take whatever. Uh, maybe like like the medium version the medium like 33 version. like if the short version, version is 25 percent of the full version maybe give us like 33 35 percent okay well i started in college singing in an acapella group called tar Heel voices after that i was in there for three and a half years that's where i met deke came down to my campus i went to the university of north carolina at chapel hill he came down to my campus with the beelzebubs he blew us away like their whole group just they exploded yeah, kind of. They set a new standard about what acapella could be because we were still very much in that whole nylon space. And that is where Do It Acapella with mm -hmm. Spike Lee had just come out. And oh, yeah. so that was really in the where our pocket was. And then the bubs come down and it just revamped Carolina acapella for all of the groups that were involved. After graduating, I joined two semi-professional groups, Hearsay and The Accidentals. And then I was not singing for a long time mainly doing musical theater and then moving from North Carolina to Tennessee I remembered a group that was coming from Memphis to Sojin in probably 07 
oh, yeah, around 07 that I spoke to just randomly. The executive director at the time wanted to make sure her boys, as she called them, even though these were grown men, uh, her boys were coming to North Carolina and she was just wanting to make sure that they were well taken care of when they got here. And so it was my duty to do that. About a year later, when I found I was moving to Memphis, I reached out to them and auditioned and joined them. My first concert with them was opening for Take Six. And what was the um, name of that group one more time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did mention it. That group is called Delta Capella. It's a good name. And yeah, it's fantastic. And we've been together since the groups was founded in 07. I started singing with them in I think 08, 09-ish. They were one of the founders of the Contemporary Acapella mm -hmm. League, which I'm currently the vice president of. So from there, we've just been doing things literally around the world. There's a recording of me out there on uh, Acapella Opera that was written for us in 2011 that we performed for a number of weeks here in Memphis. The Wall Street Journal came down and watched, reviewed the show. And so I got mentioned by name in this review. And so I had to call my family and go, <laughs> I'm in the Wall Street Journal and it's not because I'm going to jail or anything. And so that was an exciting moment for me through that time, because this spans almost 30 years now. I did, as Brian mentioned, I was one of the first ambassadors for CASA, which just means we're the local face of the Contemporary Acapella Society. So things back in the day that happened generally went through this one person. So it was before the advent of social media. So it was a lot of face-to-face, -face, telephone calls, things that were called Sunday Sings, where we just got people together mm -hmm. to promote acapella. And then it's exploded from there. It's international. When CASA went international, the ambassadors went international. And so there's about 30 or so ambassadors currently around the world that are the local faces of CASA. Most of them in other countries also have their own acapella association. And so that's what we connect mm -hmm. through by partnering with them and just making sure that acapella is in the forefront. If people need help, that's what they do. So that was my CASA life. I was also the producer for the Southeast ICCA when it was the NCCA, National Championship of Legion Acapella. And actually, I was the bridge, one of the bridges between when Adam Farb ran it with Flying Fish Records before Don Gooding took it over and Jessica Diamond came on as the first executive director. So for a year, there was not a real full competition, but I held one that we called a showcase for the South. So the South was very important into what you have today with the ICCA. I'm not saying if it hadn't been for us, there would be no ICCA, but you know, sometimes <laughs> I like to think. Um, <laughs> Uh, because of that kind of transitional show that we did. So that's what I've done there. I was news editor for the Contemporary Acapella Newsletter, which was the publication of CASA for a number of years. And then I joined RARB back in the early 2000s and have, uh, became uh, assistant editor and then the marketing director for that organization. You had mentioned the AEA, so, which was founded in Memphis. And so the first acapella convention that they held. I was on the marketing team for that. And as I mentioned before, the Contemporary Acapella League, also known as CAL, I'm vice president for that. And one of our thing is Sing For Your Life. So post-collegiate singers will join groups that are a part of us. And from there, we, we're trying to encourage groups that have either a collegiate bent or anything. It can be any size of group that people who want to continue to sing and not necessarily do it 
professionally. No, but uh, they have they gig. have they have that opportunity. Yeah. Brian, this is a great problem we always run into, in that we get guests <laughs> with just like resumes that just span pages and pages. <laughs> Usually, it used to be when I make show notes, I'd be like, "All right, put like one or two things about the guest, and then write a bunch of questions." For today, writing the show notes, I was like, long list of all the accomplishments, and then at the bottom of the page, getting to the questions, we we, we just have so many things, TK, that we could talk to about. Brian, what's on your mind, man? I know, and I feel like I am I have accomplished very little in my acapella career, Dude, right? and I've, I feel like I've been in here enough time to do stuff, but anyway, aside from that, what's most impressive to me as I'm listening to your background, TK, I'm hearing this recurring theme of, you know, you were there in the early mm-hmm. stages of a lot of things yeah. that we've experienced and that are still going on today in the acapella right. community from CASA to the ICCAs to now the Acapella Education Association, and that's that's huge and I'm just curious because I'm looking at the current culture we're in now and you know it just feels so different than things that I've heard about and read about of how things used to be and I'm just curious someone who's kind of been that man on the street kind of person who's been in the midst of the early stages and even going all the way back to your experiences with Deke you know what are some of the Mm -hmm. the biggest things that you when you look back on you know your experience with acapella and these different conventions and these different organizations you know what's been the changes that you've seen what are been those big highlights what's different from acapella today compared to you know where it was when you first started what are, what are some of those big differences that that come to mind initially okay well the first two that come to mind we kind of wrap up as community and then really like exposure and experience the community was very small back in the 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. um not that you knew everyone but you sort of felt like you knew everyone because people were going to the same conventions or if they weren't they were talking to the people who were at that convention and it was a lot of face-to-face mm-hmm. time and but it was also very insular because it was people who already knew the same people and we talked and so those are things that happened sort of together like we were pushing for this big idea of acapella being this this community of singers who sing without instruments except for our voices. Right. Mm-hmm. And now there are so many people, which kind of leads to exposure. We've had exposure and there are things, you know, you have to give sort of all praises to Pentatonics for taking it to a super level. Take Six did it on kind of the jazz and gospel in the 90s and stuff. So people knew what acapella was, even though most people or a lot of people maybe have associated it only with kind of barbershop singing. But just in terms of what the exposure is now, like there are people who know what acapella is as children. Yeah. Which was not the case when I was growing up. I didn't really know about acapella music until the mid 80s, really, when the nylons hit with Kiss Him Goodbye. Like that, that was the first real big acapella hit that most people that everyone kind of had like kind of a same cultural touchstone of oh well we might not have you know we're not going to rehearsals every week but all we all remembered when this one kind of thing happened it's almost and forgive me it's it, it sometimes kind of feels like pokemon go in a sense like we all did this one thing for a bit and then we go back and we, we don't play anything else so that might be a terrible way right. of putting it but i right. i love pokemon no 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 it, <laughs> No, it's very similar to that, uh, especially if you were one of the earlier. Yeah, and that's on Pokemon Yeah, that's Go, really what I want to pick much. your 
brain about like i'm curious you've told us kind of what it was like back then what was it like for you as an individual who, someone who's so passionate and involved in an art form that back then didn't have as many creative outlets or opportunities how did that affect you as an artist and kind of as an acapella person you mentioned the face-to-face stuff you mentioned how it was very insular but i'm curious like how it just affected you emotionally and personally and just as you kind of forged this career in a medium and in an art form that wasn't necessarily thriving at the time what was that like for you as a person so that's an excellent question i think because i was in the arts really as an undergrad and a grad student being in an acapella group was a natural extension Mm -hmm. of what i could do it provided me with a performance opportunity that i wasn't necessarily getting somewhere else so it was very much a kernel in my heart which is why I wanted to even get more involved with it, which is why I sought out when I read that he was starting this organization. And actually two of the people who, alumni from Carolina, were one of the earliest members of the House Jacks, who I didn't mention earlier than I should have. But And so there was already that kind of connection and inroads into what this was like outside of the South and even across the country, those new experiences. I'm a joiner and I like being, if not necessarily the forefront of something, an early mm-hmm. adopter. I think that's a good phrase. Making that happen in, in terms of exposing people to new things. And so that's why I kind of jumped in head first. Our Mac was a thing once we had the internet get established. So I forgot what that bulletin board stood for, but I think it's like rec music, acapella. And so just spending hours upon hours on that, establishing relationships with people, finding out what was going on, because at the time, the South, we were all singing in pockets. Northeast uh, thriving, that's where stuff happened. Mm -hmm. But there were groups that were just as good on the West Coast and groups that were just as good in the South. We just didn't know about them. We didn't know about each other. And that was one of the biggest things that helped me as an artist grow is just learning new things. Believe it or not, when the Bubs did come down and they sang in a different formation than just a big cathedral type art into what we called the bub chip. Like they named a Wait, formation. Wait, what's that look like? like? So it's just the literally a double arc. But before then, be, before we saw the bubs do it, every group just performed in this one giant arc. So if you were 12 people or 18 people groups, you made an arc on a stage and just sang forward to the audience. Whereas you have this chip, which is a double art, and you could sing across each other, you could gather energy that way and send it forward. It was just a whole new style. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of how I feel like a lot of educators today kind of operate in the sense of today, I can go on a website or a Facebook group for like choir directors and say, hey, I'm having trouble with this piece, or I'm having trouble focusing my class, or our formation for this isn't working. And I can get like 50 responses on just different ideas. And that proliferation of information was clearly so different back then. And it's it's kind of cool to hear about how something just as simple as a formation was this huge revelatory moment in how you conceived of something just as simple as okay how do we stand and it makes me feel like kind of i don't know spoiled now and that we can you know we can go on the casa page and just figure all this 
stuff out or just kind of there's so much information that I kind of wonder how it affects us as as singers and as learners what do you think Brian yeah I'm listening to it I'm just like boy to kind of have the access to groups that we do today and look at the different creative styles that they're infusing into their performances and I'm thinking more along the lines of like an ICCA where you know now it's customary everyone's doing all this crazy and ridiculous choreography Mm -hmm. it wasn't too long ago that most groups were still doing you know the double art situation and i'm hearing tk talk about you know in the early stages everyone was just doing a single art and it's just like i can't imagine what it was like to just be in that space where you know that creativity just came to someone and it's like setting the standard and it had this press of culture shift at the end of the day i'm just amazed that's i was like it's so surprising to hear those things that happen and then also when you're talking about the exposure to groups you know you mentioned on the the northeast and the eastern eastern side where those groups are popular and you know the west they were still trying to come up and now it's kind of like well the west is where naturally now we think of a lot of crazy groups you know really skilled groups Rats. But there's so, definitely still yeah, areas just, where like the tradition's been around longer, so different things like thrive. Way like it has more time to seep yeah, in. Right. That's kind of how I feel. What do you think, TK? I would agree. One of the things that Brian when Brian was talking that I tried to connect with is even recording. Mm. Like recording is so different now than back in the day. My group's first album, uh, the background voices, actually almost everyone sang around one microphone. Mm-hmm. in an arc that we were used to singing in and just singing into one, maybe two or three microphones. And that's how we recorded the album. So there was the bleed, everything. And now people, you know, and then there was the shift to where one person to go in and have tracks or little clumps of people would go into a studio and do their part. And then it would be put together by engineers. Like that was like back in the 90s, that was sort of unheard yeah, revolutionary of in a sense. to the wide mm-hmm. populace. It was revolutionary. And one of the things you talk, it's very interesting to note. So uh, the Lorelei's from UNC were the first winners of the national championship in 1996. And their simplistic choreography, it was still very much choreography, but it was more so pointing and not a lot of formation moving, was revolutionary in 1996 to people. And then Double Take from William & Mary, when I had my showcase they did a lot of dancing and people were kind of lambasting them for being too show choir but if you look at now what is expected of a group at icca those roots Mm -hmm. were with double take from william and mary because that's what they did like that's what they knew they wanted a visual show as well as a audio show. yeah they put importance on both of those things it's like there's like new frontiers and new ground being explored like each time is kind of what it sounds like i can't wait to see what the new decade like what is going to happen in 2020 to 2030 that we can't comprehend occurring Mm -hmm even in 2019. Like there's something that I'm sure is going to happen in 2020 and beyond that we can't even think about. We can't, we don't have the understanding to conceive of what that could be yet. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would say the proliferation of high school and Mm. middle school groups is what sort of marked this decade from 2010 to 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like high school groups are just, it's amazing what they're doing now. And I'm curious as we're talking about the things that kind of revolutionized the acapella culture. And I, I think back to back to music in general and i think how i'm such a what some people consider like an old head i like older styles of music (laughs) i like i like those older sounds those more um more authentic sounds when it comes to music and i'm i'm just 
listening to you talk about the revolution of acapella and I'm just curious is there anything from the time that's kind of past now that you know you you kind of have an affinity for at all you know are there while we're steadily evolving Mm -hmm. are there things that you wish would kind of stay constant uh, or things that you wish would kind of come back since I know sometimes things just have a way of reverting back to old ways that you know people are naturally picking back up so I'm just curious wow Mm. that's an interesting question I like I really uh, like things to move forward Mm-hmm. So I kind of jump on those new things. I will, um, because like when the Bubs started sort of like the electronic phase with, with Code Red in the late 90s, I was all on board for what they were doing when everyone else, well, not everyone else, but a lot of people were like, oh, well, that's too natural sounding. You know, we really like that natural sounding voice. I'm... Mm, you stumped him, Brian. You had what? such a good what question. You stopped the <laughs> yeah, podcast and it's track. Just to see. I know. And, I'm, and, yeah. it, and it just doesn't have to be the performance space because I know we talked about yeah. recording as well. And I know there's right. a lot of different opinions on, you know, doing solo micing versus, you know, the all, everyone crowding around one singular group mic when it comes to recording. I'm like, even in the recording space, I'm like, are there those um, intricacies that, you know, that we're kind of missing from today at all or do you think the direction we're heading is we should stay the course and you know keep evolving you know without looking looking back necessarily okay i'm gonna say to keep evolving and for but with a caveat there are so many different styles of groups now uh that what i liked in the past there are still groups that are doing that, that are doing it well. So great for them. I can still enjoy a more natural sounding album or more natural sounding performance that's not, you have 12 people in your group or 10 people in your group and all 10 of those people are singing a different line. Sometimes you just need four lines of music. And if people are singing it well with emotion, that's just as satisfying or sometimes more satisfying than this 12, 12 person symphony with everything going on that way. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I was like, I hope that people still hold on to the roots, the foundational roots of being good musicians. Yeah. And I really liked, I really and liked then, what you said TK about that. You're like always down to like, see what like new stuff is coming down the pike pike pipe i never really understood that expression but and also (laughs) that and that there are groups that do older stuff that you can still enjoy and it's almost like it's not like like basically what you said it's like it's almost like it's not an evolution but just an expansion and that like just because we're finding new things to do it's not like the old stuff becomes irrelevant or becomes you know obsolete it's just oh this is an older tradition or a different way acapella used to be done and now we just have more diversity in the kinds of groups we have and and that's what i'm kind of getting from you talking about you know where you started to where you are now and how you've seen all of these kind of evolutions of the genre that we can have groups that do something a little older people that are trying to be really cutting edge and then everything kind of in between take six and the swingles like those are styles that will be Mm -hmm. forever important in terms of what we listen to just as much as you know pentatonics or the more electronic groups or even the solo singers 
that are happening now, the one one person bands. There's room for all of that. I haven't talked about barbershop or gospel or activist music, but all of that has a seat at the table because acapella music is just a feast and we need to go and enjoy all of it. That That's we can. very, very well said, DK. Thank you for that. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella with Thomas King. Acaville is broadening our network. We're introducing a new show and podcast called Vocal Perspective, hosted by myself, Rachel Schoenbaum, and the amazing Amanda Cornaglia. Each week, we speak with a new female or female-identifying member of the acapella community to talk about ideas, themes, and topics that affect us. Tune in at Acaville on Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, or on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Acaville, home of Vocal Perspective. Hey, everybody, we are back on this week's episode of Tacapella with Thomas King, a.k.a. T- TK. That's that's a choir diction exercise waiting to be created. Uh, we've had such a fun time today talking about acapella as kind of a generational art and how it's evolved and expanded. And um, we're going to dive into a kind of different direction now, talking about CASA. Brian, you have some questions on CASA you want to pick TK's brain on. What's What's going on? Yeah, so Casa, I'm very familiar with Casa. Uh, I remember when I got really into acapella in college, it was one of the first organizations that I really got into because it was like the hub for anything. It's relevance, yeah. And I'm just, uh, I'm just curious um, as to you know it's kind of dynamic in today's space. And I know that while I know of it, maybe some of our listeners don't. So I'm, I'm wondering, TK, if you can kind of tell us a little bit about Casa as it. Uh, it's kind of positioned in today's acapella climate and kind of how it functions and the organization structure. And so, how you know, how does how does CASA fit into the acapella picture today? So interesting. Uh, thank you for that question. So CASA today is still, I would still consider it a hub because we try to be um, open to all of the aspects of acapella singing at the moment. And so you mentioned going to the Casa page and asking a, a question about this and getting 50 responses. So that's what we that's what we are. We're we're literally the information conduit for things. Um, and so that's a really important aspect of what we do as an organization. As well, we we were sort of the first, I don't I'm Kind of, I'm going to go ahead and say that on record, that we were the first organization that sort of put together uh, festivals. They were called summits. They were called summits in the mid-90s. I'm thinking like the first one was probably in 95, mm-hmm. 96 maybe. I like that word summit. Brian, maybe we should call yeah. our episode summits yeah. from now on. Is it, no, it's a really, that's a really bad marketing idea. That's, no. that's actually a, totally wrong. <laughs> but... We just have to sell it, right? right? You know, and uh, the uh, Casas was the East Coast Summit for the most part, and then there was also the West Coast Summit that was sort of spearheaded by someone else at the moment. But Deke had a lot of involvement in it. But then Casa maintained East Coast, and um, that kept going for a few years. And then when we haven't talked about acapella initiatives, which was the Association for Acapella Initiatives, which was one of the things that Dave Sperandio came up with, which gave us mm. two things. It gave us So Jam and Sing. Earlier we'd had with CASA and Varsity Vocals, ICCA, 
we had Boca and then Bosha, which were sort of CDs that exposed kind of the general populace to what was going on in in collegiate acapella and high school acapella. So it was sort of a gateway into, so for people who had never heard of acapella, it was the gateway into getting people exposed to it. And then Dave came up with Sing because at the time, again, in 2003 and four, people still just thought of the Northeast and a little bit of the West as where acapella was happening. There was a thriving market in Atlanta, North Carolina, Virginia, and all that. And so he wanted to bring more focus and more attention to that. And so that's mm -hmm. where Sing came from. And I've been involved with Sing. I've been the executive producer and producer of Sing since 2006, I believe, the fourth installment of Sing. And we, we kind of shifted over the years into what's next in acapella music. What is next? What are, what are some of the face-melting things that are happening mm -hmm. in acapella music today for tomorrow. And so that's where we're going with there. Yeah, and I like this kind of for uh, underlying forward-thinking kind of concept that, you know, it's kind of rooted in CASA is what it feels like. Because you, you mentioned, you know, it was kind of the hub with the main website. Exactly. And now today it's kind of blown up with the Facebook group, as you mentioned. Where <laughs> Exactly. Everyone can go and post any kind of question. I've seen questions from arrangements to festivals to... That's how Brian content. and I met, literally <laughs> through the CASA page. Yeah. And then you kind of got into the whole regional aspect of, you know, this is where shows are at. And then this is kind of what's kind of transpired mm -hmm. since. And now we're getting into the music, which, you know, we're talking about Boca and the best of high school stuff. And then Sing, especially because when I think of Sing, I, and I think that's something cool that I haven't seen a lot of in other kind of spaces music spaces is sing to me kind of feels more it's that really indie type really creative type of <laughs> unexpected acapella kind of offering that you wouldn't get anywhere else so casa has a lot of like legs underneath it is what it just and the other thing that i really like about what you're talking about tk is um, and I, and I kind of got this notion of it from Brian, but there's also, there's always a point when we're discovering something new that we love where we dive in head first. And a lot of the times Brian will talk about how he just spends hours going down a YouTube rabbit hole about acapella groups and just trying to find different things. And I was the same when I first discovered acapella, when I first discovered that I really like movies, all these things. And to have like kind of an organized place, an organized hub where people can make that dive. They can look up how to start a group. They can look up, they can talk to professionals and just kind of let themselves go wild and having an organized way for people to kind of get their fix and just dive in completely i think is so smart because that just encourages not only more people to do it but it rewards the people who are gonna like go in head first and pursue this art relentlessly and it's so great that there's an organized way to kind of create more acapella nerds and that you're actively it's not just oh okay well acapella is a thing it's out there and you have to go find out how to do it but you are actively fostering a space where we can not only learn but just satiate our interest for acapella. And that's, I think, what's going to kind of keep helping it grow with what Casa's doing. Exactly. And right now, for the next iteration of the organization, as there, we are going through some changes and just trying to figure out what our focus is going to be next. And I know the board is, is talking about that and discussing things. And so we're going to be on the forefront of whatever the next leg and the next journey and the next exciting thing for acapella will be 
and hopefully being able to foster, like our biggest goal is fostering an appreciation for acapella music. We want people to sing, literally, that is our ultimate goal is for people to feel comfortable enough to get together with other folk and sing. Yeah, and I absolutely love that line of foster and appreciation for acapella. Like I said, Casa was that thing that really drew me in. And I'm I'm so excited to see what you guys do next for this newer generation of acapella people. One thing I also didn't want to touch on, and, you know, we cannot end this show without discussing it. Game of Thrones. I to, know. Uh, I know. It's John, been, I don't think we mentioned it last episode, so let's talk. <laughs> that ending did not make, okay, I'm done. I'm okay. I keep bringing it, it up anyway, each episode. Know, it's been a while. We have to kind of make sure we don't go too off. <laughs> One thing we absolutely have to discuss is RARB, and for those who aren't familiar with it, it stands for the Recorded Acapella Review Board, which TK writes for as well as I contribute to it as well. But TK, you know, you have quite the background with RARB and writing reviews for music in the acapella space. And I'm just curious, as someone who's done that for a while, you know, what are some of the trends that you've been hearing and are in acapella, you know, that are just absolutely working for this space? And what have you been hearing that and enjoying? from your time with RARP? I will say the number one thing, well, two things. One is the use of studio techniques and all that things. I love the manipulated voice. I love the natural sounding voice, but as a recording, that's a whole different performing arts aspect. So mm -hmm. the fact, we call them yearbook albums for those that just kind of go in and sing the songs and don't do a lot of enhancements to their sound, which are great. As I mentioned before, if that's your thing, do it. Be wonderful at it and we love you. But if you're also going to bring the abilities that we didn't have or we weren't using back in the 90s and early 2000s, please, please, please do that because that makes your sound different, more engaging at times, sometimes more alienating if that's what you want to do. There's a lot of groups out there that they really want to sort of alienate their audience first and then want to come around to appreciating that alienation, you become fans for life. And then original music, original music, original music, original music. The first like kind of collegiate original music that I was listening to was Fleet Street Singers out in California. And then, and this was 15, 20 years ago, maybe, that they were doing that. And then for a while there, On The Rocks was putting a lot of original songs or their albums. And every time they did that, I would make sure to trumpet those songs as much as possible. There were professional bands that were doing that as well. And for a long time, there was that discussion about groups being simply cover band versus musicians. Yeah. And that's always a thing. And I hate kind of that nomenclature because if you do cover songs and you do cover songs well, by all means, can keep doing that. If you have people who can write good songs because mm -hmm. there's a lot of songs out that's there something that we've definitely good. talked about and just because they're acapella songs do, <laughs> does not make them good. understatement honestly <laughs> there are songs out there that are not good that are not good but um right now i'm just i'm so on a voices in your head kick mm. and their latest album which i can't think of the name of it right now but it's being something which i think we've We'll probably cut and add that back in and say what the name of the album is because that was really bad of me to say that. But they have a full whole album almost of of original songs and it is absolutely breathtaking at what they accomplish with those tracks. And I just want more people to be able to explore that. We have pop stars who are 15, 16, 18, 21, 
25 years old who are writing their own songs. Why people are writing songs so we can make them acapella. They're original songs. We don't have to wait until X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't even know who. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't have to wait for Ari- Ariana Grande to put out a new track or Lizzo to put out a new track for us to make those acapella for people to appreciate it. Totally. We're artists ourselves and musicians ourselves, so we can write those songs that make people want to listen to them. And I really feel like that's what Voices in Your Head has done so far with their latest album. And I'm, I just congratulate them to no end. The The second aspect that I wanted to plug is also musical theater acapella. Love we it. We should have an episode on that. That's something that I feel like really isn't talked about much. We should definitely do something with that. Talk about uh, Blue Jupiter. It, well, and Octave, I think, is the mm-hmm. other group, maybe. Because, uh, you know, I work in musical theater. I have basically uh, musical theater and acapella music have paralleled in my life. I've been working on both of them probably the same number of years. And as I mentioned, I was in acapella opera. So every time a group will perform a musical theater song, I just fall in love with it. If it's good, let me go ahead and add that back in. If it's good, but just the fact, because uh, it marries two things that I'm so passionate about, acapella music and musical theater. So like Blue Jupiter's latest album was such a hit for me as well. So I, I hope people continue to do that because there's such a breath of music that's available that we're not doing that I think we as thinkers could just explode by exploring them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's so vital what you're saying um, in regards to kind of doing what's unorthodox a little bit in regards to the theater, the music yeah. theater as well as the originals i'm like that cannot be stressed enough in this space especially coming from someone who listens and um you know reviews so much acapella content on a regular basis you know you're hearing it firsthand i'm like hey this is the stuff that we want to hear we want to hear more of at the end of the day so it's not always about the big pop cover or you know what's trendy at the moment do something creative get get out of your comfort space a little bit and these these seem a lot like the kind of the next frontiers original acapella and musical theater acapella we're talking about you know again the notion of the how the beelzebub stood as a revolution and i don't know you know that's obviously kind of a microcosm of it but it's kind of cool now that we're in a place where the acapella community is so developed that we're not just like you said tk we're not just waiting for the next thing to come along and then see how it affects us we're like okay how can we create this how can we experiment and create the next thing in acapella so we're yeah again acapella is an art very focused on on covers and that's where it's kind of foundation has been but that's not where it always has to be by any means and i think it's so cool tk the stuff you're doing and talking about how we can kind of for you know to get a little disney be in control of our own destiny but as an art form and to see kind of where we can go now and brian you were just saying it with originals and musical theater those seem very strange to some people Mm -hmm. i'm sure and they seem strange the first time i heard it and i said what do you no no no, that's not how acapella is done well it hasn't nest traditionally but now it can be and it's so cool that we can we have the tools and the resources and the community to not only pursue that but to identify it and kind of galvanize the community towards this not evolution but expansion yeah right and when you were talking i was thinking about the fact that i probably listened to three thousand or so unique tracks a year from from listening to rarp stuff 
listening to sing stuff. And I'm also one of the Karas, but on the Karas team. So that sometimes amazes me when I think about how much mm -hmm. acapella I actually listen to <laughs> every year. It's exhausting sometimes, but I love it. And so that's why I can <laughs> like you do don't it. even turn on your radio. I do, actually, I don't. My radio in my car doesn't work. And so, <laughs> so just tune into Akaville radio. Exactly. Just, just get us on your, like, just, I don't know, get a, a router in your car or a hotspot or whatever, right. and just tune in and then you can oh, listen yeah. to it just like you're back in, in something where a radio is, I, I don't know where I'm going with this joke. I didn't have an end to it. I'm not going to lie. In the 90s. But, right. but that's Brian, the you start talking. Yeah. And I was going to say that was one of the, to take it a little bit back to RARB, that's what we do. We're. We're sort of an educational organization as well as an, a reviewing organization or a news magazine, mm -hmm. as you put it. Kind of pair the two together. Like we write for an audience, like, please go listen to this track or to this group or to this album. But also one of our goals is to help educate the groups that are performing what is the next step that you need to take to elevate yourself as artists and musicians based on the recording that you've given us. So how do you elevate yourself as a recording artist? We, we don't know necessarily how you present yourselves live. And oftentimes that is a big issue, at least for some of us when we're writing, because we know these groups, we've seen them live and we're like, oh my gosh, when it's live, it's blah, 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 blah. We can't write that because that's not what the audience who's only gonna listen to their recording does. Mm -hmm. um, that That's not the experience that they're gonna have. So, you know, one of the things that we try to do is like, hey, this is how you can make your album better for the next time. Yeah. Or make your album so your recording process is better. Totally. So. Yeah, and that's so well said that RARB is such an educational space, not only for the acapella aficionado, but for newcomers looking to get into acapella and see what it's all about. It's a great source of new material, mm -hmm. as well as, as TK is saying, for groups who want to who wanna improve, who want to become part of that evolution. It's a, it's a great resource. Yeah feedback is built into it totally and so yeah it's so it's so important to keep all of these different sources in mind when you're looking to get into something new or looking to improve as a group you know i think everything we've been talking about with tk is very vital so with that we're going to take one more short break and we will be right back on talkapella oh shoot i just missed my favorite akaville show what it gets rebroadcast on sundays Great news! You too can tune in on Sundays for Rebroadcast Sunday, where we replay all of our original programming twice, once in the morning and once in the evening. Check out our schedule on Akaville.org so that you can tune into your favorite show again. Akaville, the best in acapella shows and music, rebroadcast on Sundays. And welcome back to the show, everyone. So if you've been listening, we've been speaking with Thomas T.K. King. Uh, he has been, man, just filling our brains with so much. Learning so much. I know, you know, just kind of giving us a glimpse into the early stages of contemporary acapella, you know, the different festivals, the organizations, all the, the way evolution. to, you know, the evolution. Yeah, yeah exactly. As John's saying, too, you know, how things are, what's in the works with CASA today and uh, RARB and Man, so much. So um, we couldn't have had a greater guest on the show today. So uh, totally. TK, with our last segment, as per tradition, we always ask our guests if they could offer the acapella community 
one piece of advice, what would that be? And, you know, we pose that same question to you, whether it be to a specific group of the acapella community or a certain individual or to directors, you know. So what would you I really want to get someone who does an individual, just says it to one person on air. I've always wanted it. No one's ever done it. One day it will happen. One day. And I just want it to be Danny. Learn your part. Just just call someone out on air. It's never happened. One day it will. Someone who's a guest who is listening to an episode who hears us talk about this all the time, Brian, they're mm-hmm. going to do it and it's going to blow our minds. We're gonna be like, oh they're going to dedicate it just it. to you, John, for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, TK, what would you what would you say? I, I can fulfill that dream for you, John, for just a okay. second by saying, Amanda Cornaglia, I love you and you're awesome. And thank you for being my friend. Yay. So that's one. All right. There we go. Yes. (laughs) But in terms of speaking to general audience, I have two things. One, to directors and kind of performance directors, please don't be afraid of choreography, but also don't necessarily take it to too far an extent. For regular shows, sometimes we do, it's a visual art as well. Uh, I keep mentioning that, and that's the class that I normally teach at festivals about. This is what you do just to make it engaging and visually appealing to your audience. You don't have to do all these flips and turns and, you know, jumps and skyscraper buildings. Sometimes you just need to move a position or something that is emotionally connected to the audience. So please think of that. You don't, I still think we have this show choir mentality in terms of if you move that you're being too much of a show choir and that's just not the case. You're being a good artist. Well said. The second one has to go with an episode that you guys had on recently, I think, but it's about inclusivity and Mm. how that changes and especially in terms of ethnicities and gender gender identities, and we have to just, uh, there's activist acapella out there. Lisa Forkish is really at the helm of that and making sure that people are aware that there are other voices that are out there. And I hope that we continue to strive for that and making acapella inclusive for everyone. It's the, we're human beings. So the one thing that we can do is make a, a voice and a joyful noise from our mouths and everyone should be able to be a part of that and so being inclusive rather than exclusive necessarily is a joy and something that i keep hoping and striving for and representation people of color sexualities being represented well in the various groups that are performing and things things that we see uh i know y'all were talking about no no that's always relevant that episode you're talking about was a big one for us where we talked about diversity because i think it's something that's very easy to just assume isn't part of the equation and i i I think we both appreciate you bringing that up and we can always just be talking about that message (laughs) god damn that's heartwarming (laughs) and then i will say and go read arb go read r-a-r-b rarb Please go read it. And Sing is coming out. We've just been having some technical difficulties with the tracks, but all of the tracks have been selected and it will be out within the next month. It has to be because we're starting the selection process for the next album now. So it's kind of weird. (laughs) I know. Sing 15 has been very interesting, but it's synergistic. So it will happen. Cool. That's my plug. Uh, did you have a Twitter or an Instagram or anything you want to plug or anything like that? Sure. You can find me at facebook.tk, T-E-K-A-Y, 
or you can join my page, which is TK International, uh, because friends of mine have said that everyone in the world knows me or knows about me. So we have TK International as an organization <laughs> to prove that point. <laughs> Those are the two places that I uh, most often can answer questions or talk. You can also reach me at tk at casa.org, C-A-S-A. Uh, I'm willing to answer any question that anyone has at any point in time about any aspect of acapella. And if I don't know it, I'll ask someone else who does know it and make sure that you are connected to that information. Cool. Brian, where can people find you, man? As always, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. And for all the work I do with College Acapella, go follow them on um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. You can find me in the same place at John Lampus on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to follow everything, Acaville Radio, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, make sure, obviously, to tune in. And remember, Tacapella is on iTunes. Some of you probably are listening to this on iTunes. We have our own website now at tacapella.org. So follow us on Twitter at Tacapella. That one's pretty easy. It's two P's, two P's and two L's, T- three L's. But one of the L's is in the the talk part so but two p's two out two p never mind you know what i'm talking about talk appell on twitter and uh find us there let us know what you think let us know what you thought of this episode and all the stuff we talked about today it was heavy stuff but important stuff tk thank you so much for coming on for uh, a really really <laughs> fun time today thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it it's been wonderful absolutely yeah. <laughs> everyone thanks for tuning into this week's episode of talk appella and for everything acapella please stay tuned